It is a center for higher learning. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast, episode 91. This is the podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Dan. And I'm Keeper John. And in this episode, we grab a bucket of popcorn as we discuss the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. I'm Keeper Murph, and we're also going to cover the Feed the Shoggoth game. Why would we be covering these two particular topics? Well, that's easy, because we have Badger McGinnis. Creator of Feed the Shoggoth and recent guest to the HPL Film Festival as our special guest. Welcome. Hello. Hey, hey, Hi. welcome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What's happening, man? Yeah, it's, it, it took a while. We finally got you on the show. We've had your voice on here in an interview portion. Yep. But our first time having you as a full episode guest. We're thrilled to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, guys. Oh my god! And I've seen the pictures for the uh, feed the Shagath uh, packaging that you've been doing. You know your packaging parties to send them out to your to your uh, backers. Man, that looks awesome. <laughs> my apartment looks like a warehouse right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> yep, I can imagine. Let's get on into the campus crier. Miskatonic University Campus Crier. Campus Crier's Miskatonic U student paper. Here's going to go through mythos-related news and feedback for the podcast. This episode is recorded November 3rd, 2015. Well, the Delta Green role-playing game Kickstarter finished out with 2,533 individual backers at $362,324. So, yeah, that's... uh, That's a successful campaign. Yep. I think they got enough. Yep. I'm pretty sure they're, yeah, they've, they've met their goal. Yeah. 40,000 goal and made 300. Yeah. That's, that's pretty darn good. Um, unfortunately I had to back out because of finances from my 25 level where I had the, uh, the agent's handbook PDF. I had to drop that out. So unfortunately I won't be getting anything from this, but. You know, it's it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's always the uh, the regular market, you know, price whenever things yeah, come just, out. I'm I'm like you though; I couldn't afford it, and the Kickstarter levels were a little bit strange. So I and I will end up buying it retail, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It, I did the fifty dollar level. Um, it it was really confusing at mm-hmm. first. I kept on adding stuff, and uh, you know, when other backers had to make uh, a matrix, just. <laughs> To make you understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a little but nuts. But as crazy as it was, it still funded the balls out of it. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Congratulations, guys. I can't wait to see that game. Yeah. yeah. The Delta Green setting is just amazing. And so I can't wait to. And we've, uh, I mean, I know I, I thought some of you guys also uh, participated in some of the playtesting, right? Didn't, didn't you guys do any of the beta playtesting of the Delta Green rules? I looked it over. That's about it. Oh, okay. Uh, I, got, I, I didn't even do that. I don't think I got to do one with uh, Gil Treviso. Um, and uh, the, the rules I've got to spend a while now, but from what I remember, the rules are, you know, very familiar. If you know the, the BRP based rule set, then you're not going to have much of a problem of transitioning over. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, it's funny, you know, uh, with the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, they tried to take the familiar BRP and just kind of elevate it. And I feel like Delta Green did the same thing. They just went in a slightly, you know, these both had the core idea of taking the BRP and kind of, you know, don't abandon it too much. You know, still have that familiarity, but 
make it a little bit more of a refined and sophisticated game. And and the two groups went in two different directions, but I think both directions really worked. It just, mm-hmm. you know, depending upon what mindset you wanted to go in and I, heck, I, I foresee in the future, maybe even finding a way to kind of blend the two together because there are elements of um, the way sanity and, and the way that uh, you have these, uh, these uh, uh, anchors to your sanity in the Delta Green game that might be really cool to see implemented in Call of Cthulhu 7. And there's elements of 7 that might be really mm-hmm. great in, you know, like bonus dice and penalty dice and things like that. Yeah. Uh, in, so I, I don't see uh, there being any big conflict with these, you know, different rule sets. I, I feel like, you know, there'd be a way to kind of hybrid all this together. But that said, I think the new Delta green rules are looking amazing and uh, I can't wait for this game to come out. So, it, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. So I, great I for them. That I'm sure somebody at some point in the near future is going to take the two and uh, rule sets and make uh, a hybrid out of them. I would be really curious to see how like pushing works in the Delta. Green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Thematically it works so well with that kind of thing. I, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that could work. Very cool. Well, if I may, uh, next up, there is a current Kickstarter going on right now. Uh, as of the this recording, there's 10 days left, so uh, it terminates on November the 13th, Friday the 13th. Uh, the current Kickstarter is called Blackout, Journey into Darkness, and this is not a Cthulhu Mythos board game per se, but... It is a a, uh, a a dungeon crawl board game with lots of great horror elements, and it really feels uh, uh, like it it could live in the mythos, and and that's why I wanted to kind of bring it up for this because I think the same audience that we talked to uh, would enjoy this uh, board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they say in, in the Kickstarter that uh, they're their origins, the kind of things that, that, that motivated them was the uh, video game XCOM. Um, so just to kind of give a hint, but this is a post-apocalyptic uh, dungeon crawl and it's a, it's a cool looking game, one to four players. So you could play it solo. All the monsters, you know, have a, uh, have an AI engine to them. So they get run automatically, but it just looks really, really wicked. Uh, and uh, I'm, this is a board. This is a board game that I think I'm going to be jumping into on this Kickstarter. So I, I hope it funds well and a lot of the stretch goals get unlocked because I think it could be really, really awesome. Yeah, I'd never heard of it until you brought it to my attention tonight. But it <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah, it really does, man. And it's co-op, which I really like. I've got yeah. like no competitive edge in me. I don't give a crap if I win or lose, and so I prefer co-op games. And that really appeals to me. And I play and, and, you know, I collect a lot of board games and I play a lot of uh, co-op board games that that are very similar to this, you know, where, you know, you have a dynamic board that's being created and it's a, you know, dungeon crawly kind kind of feel. Um, But when I dug through and I looked at all the videos that are that are on this uh, Kickstarter page and I saw the videos about how to play one of the things that I found really intriguing about this is the individual characters that each player is playing because of the amount of equipment that, that could be found or purchased uh, by the player, you know, by, and you know, at the like general store thing that you purchase from prior to uh, starting the scenario, this game has so many variances of, of play. You could play the same scenario multiple times and it would be different every time because of the way you equip your characters and also because the map itself is uh, dynamically generated randomly so you would never have ideally i mean i suppose it's possible you could draw the the cards to build it the same but almost every time you would never have the same map for the same scenario Uh, so it looks really really cool and it has this particular game has a um, a concept of uh, of a campaign. So as you play through the scenarios in order, the characters that you have, they retain their equipment and experience and get stronger and, and better equipped to do the harder, deeper, more complex uh, scenarios towards the end of the campaign. Looks really cool. So 
There'll be a link in the show notes. I hope everyone checks it out. Again, it ends on November 13th. Yep. Up next, we have an update from Oscar Rios over at Golden Gondolin Press. This is the first post-campaign completion update for uh, Tales of the Caribbean. Uh, the important info there is that uh, he's got uh, one scenario is actually into editorial review and onto the formal editing. He's got another one that's back from rewrites and is in formal editing. And he's got three other scenarios that are in rewrites and three which are still being written. Um, a lot of illustrations are back in, um, so the art is still ongoing. Uh, things are moving forward, which is what we expect from uh, Golden Goblin Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also going to uh, be in Carnage, um, the con up in Killington, Vermont, this weekend. So if you happen to be up in the far northeast, you can go and play uh, the exclusive Jamaica scenario, uh, Chicken Mary Hawk Denier. And also they have a um, the Golden Goblin Fireside Invitational game where they'll be running another Caribbean theme uh, scenario, a man, to Purg- a man to Purgatory, a Woman to Hell. Um, and you can find out more from, about all of those at the Carnage Con website. And we have a link in the post yep. or in the show notes, whatever. I don't know why I said post. <laughs> and another That's nice, pretty awesome. Another nice thing about... Uh, that particular update that Oscar shared is that friend of the show and uh, member mm-hmm. of the community, uh, Ian McLean, is going to be the cover artist for the Dread Shadows in Paradise fiction book. Nice. That is awesome. And there's, that is fantastic. Yeah, there's an early version of the cover art that Ian did in the post, which is beautiful and creepy. Yeah, it's yes. great. And if you look down, it's got the, the skeletal woman and everything in the dress. If you look down at the foot, it's cloven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wolf. Like, oh. Um, Oscar also mentioned that uh, you should be up on the lookout for the backer surveys, which will hopefully show up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. For everyone that actually backed that, which I think is most of us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that one yeah. got full support of the podcast, I think, from all of us. Yeah. And just wanted to give a quick mention and thank you, a huge thank you to all of our backers on the uh, Patreon page. We actually have now attained the second uh, goal milestone goal that I had in there of 40 a month. Hell yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. Enough to retire on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah unless to, enough to almost break even yeah <laughs> and so you know just want to say you know thank you everybody who's uh a part of this to help keep this thing running smooth and covering our costs you know in my milestone goal i mentioned you know maybe going with the pod clear service that allows skype to be recorded individually and all that well they kind of stopped running that service so I'm gonna have to look for something else that can uh, can you know do something for us to help improve things. But we've got the funds to actually be looking for that sort of thing. So that is fantastic. Thank you. Not only that, but some of the a couple of the patrons that we have that are funding us are from some very distant locations. One of them is from uh, Malaki, Slovakia, um, and then another from. Yeah, he's from um, uh, Sverige, Sweden, as well. So, I mean, we have, you know, our, our some typical names we th- always hear in here, but then we have a couple of guys that, uh, Skinderax and Stefano Nundi, um, from way off on the other side of the world. So, wow. thank you very much, guys. Thank you. And it's just amazing to know that we have listeners on such a it's, global scale. I love that so much. Dude, we've Podcasting got listeners is awesome. <laughs> Slovakia, dude. Slovakia. Yeah, that's Come great. On. And we've got some feedback on the show. Got an email from a gentleman named Paul Shoemaker. Or it might be Schumacher. And Paul says, good evening, gentlemen. I just found the podcast courtesy of Stitcher suggesting it. Yay. Someone found us through Stitcher. He's, mm-hmm. he's on episode 90 and really enjoying the discussion, though I have to say I'm still in the camp of it's a Bayaki in the festival. Food for thought on it. Consider the 
Montauk monster from a few years back and how it was misidentified. I can't wait to check out the back catalog of episodes. Beyond thanking you for good edutainment, I have a request and a suggestion. The request. He is... Well, let me read that properly. The request. I'm one of the organizers of a game convention dedicated to tabletop social games. Board games, miniature games, RPGs, etc. That will be holding our third year in Warwick, Rhode Island, February 5th through 7th, 2016 called Captain Con. I'm actually trying to grow our role-playing game presence, and as a fan of COC, I'd love to see some Keepers running sessions, especially since we feature around-the-clock gaming throughout the weekend. And he's requesting to put out a call for Keepers and players. They are taking submissions for from organizers of game sessions, and there will be links in the show notes. And then as for the suggestion, he uh, pointed us towards a Kickstarter a friend of his that I believe is now finished out. It did fund. I did share it on our social media stuff. So it was shared out there in time while it was still running. The Book of Starry Wisdom, basically taking two of Lovecraft's uh, Cthulhu-themed stories and then a bunch of additional stories that kind of riff on the same general topic. And so it actually looks like a very cool book. Yeah, and it looks like it's, I mean, from the images that were on the um, on the Kickstarter page, it looks as if it's a leather or full leather bound yeah. hardback. Yeah. I mean, it looks really cool. So, yeah, I'm glad that that funded, and hopefully there'll be a way to get hold of a copy of it later on after it's been published and released, because I would have liked to have been in on that, but it just didn't really work out. So thank you very much, Paul, and... Uh, he says, thanks in advance and would love to see if MU can make it to Captain Con next year. You know, you know, I have to wonder with Warwick not being that too far from Providence, if he hasn't tried to contact any sort of Providence uh, gaming yeah. or, or game stores there. Yeah, I have no idea of the the gaming situation out there natively when there's no Necronomicon action going on, but. There's probably something. There's a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah, they're they're flush with it uh, okay, in good. the Providence area. But um, I wonder if if he if he went to Necronomicon or maybe he didn't. I guess since he doesn't know, I don't know. It's all speculation. Either way, yeah, get in touch with some of the guys that do Necronomicon. You might be able to find a whole crap load of people to go to your convention. Yeah, <laughs> especially we'll have... round the clock gaming. I mean, that's absolutely. Insane. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And we're going to have links to all this stuff in the show notes, so uh, go check out the convention, and if it's somewhere that you think you might be able to make it to, go go check it out. It's a game con. Yeah, you got plenty of time to to uh, prep for it, too. February 5th is a long ways off yet, so. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks for writing us, Paul, and welcome to the community, and uh, feel free to write in anytime. And for the Cryptocurium Spotlight... Uh, the December edition of the Parcel of Terror has been uh, announced, and it's going to be a mystery box, kind of like the October one, which was awesome. Had all sorts of great Halloween stuff, but the December one is a vampire theme. Ways. Oh, cool. Yeah. It looks really nice. The teaser image he has up on the website looks really, really cool. Yeah. It says, the holiday season always seems to leave us all feeling drained. So what better symbol for this horrifying time of year than this coal-hearted bloodsucker? <laughs> so it's going to be several uh, mystery items comprised of art by various artists and creators, specifically for this box. And oh, few, cool. Yeah, and a few hints. A monstrous addition to the Slasher Magnet series. A vampiric wall plaque, prints, stickers, and candy. There is a picture of, it looks like a, a an aged picture of uh, yeah, Vlad Tepes there yeah. that he has. So, I mean, that looks awesome in its own right. And there's a little crucifix there. I don't know if he's doing one or not, but it I looks really know. neat. Yeah, there's also the butt of a pistol, so I don't really expect that yeah, to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If it is, that, I'm joining up right now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, the Halloween one was fantastic. The wall plaque is a one of my favorites he's done so far. It's a beautiful headless horseman. Ooh. Yeah. 
And the... Are are you a subscriber to the... Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I've got all of them since the first. And so it's a lovely headless horseman with a nice glossy black finish, except for the pumpkin, which is kind of a orangey gold, a little bit of reflectiveness. Had a a pin that's a really creepy looking pumpkin guy, a whole bunch of art prints and uh, three envelopes, each with its own new short story had candy. It was a great wow. box. That's a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. That is awesome. He really celebrated the Halloween. So yeah, pop on out and take a look and uh, see if the, uh, the December one appeals to you. Settle down now, class. It's time for your next lesson. So uh, this year we have uh, Badger McGinnis, who's with us. Thank you again, Badger, for coming back or coming on the first, but hopefully not the last. No, the first, not the first, the second, not second. quite the second, but really the first time. Shh. That makes uh, any yeah. sense. Well, yeah. Murph, Murph, Murph is special. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'll be going now. Um, <laughs> hey, man, it was good talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Great conversation, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, feed the Shaga. Woo! Shaga. Yep. Uh, Drop the mic. Drop the mic. I know it's your laptop. Drop it. <laughs> I'll be here a week. Enjoy the deal. <laughs> so uh, tell us about Feed the Shaga real quick. We've mentioned it before in a previous uh, interview, but you have gotten a new update that came out just a couple of well, it's been a couple of days ago now, I guess, um, where you have gotten all of the cards, everything is in, and you're basically having these giant uh, packing parties at your apartment where everyone is allowed to show up unannounced and drink alcohol while they <laughs> randomly put things in boxes, right? Yeah, uh, it wasn't even necessarily related to the game. I had socks, um, old coins. Um, right. Them, um, call of Cthulhu supplements, toilet paper, whatever you know. Whatever it, people grabbed and threw in a box is it's going out, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I can't wait well, to get mine. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're gonna that's you're gonna quite you the, what, some, the blind box some, concept. Some some <laughs> dirty badger uh, badger's water bill or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just want uh, the feed the Shoggoth and badger's dirty socks, and I'm good. It's <laughs> quite the combo. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. You know, if I haven't shipped out your copy yet, so um, <laughs> ooh, 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 don't don't toy with me. Who <laughs> said anything about toying? I'm talking about promises. <laughs> that, that joke might have bike fired on me. <laughs> it did. So to bring this back on track, right, Badger. We have a tell, tell us about, if anybody doesn't know, tell us about what Feed the Shoggoth is um, and what's the future of Feed the Shoggoth. Why they should weep that they didn't couldn't get a copy of it. Well, because b- besides the fact that they're horrible human beings, um, uh, the, the basic concept of the game is that each player uh, plays a different evil cult faction, uh, like the Esoteric Order of Dagon or the Chapel of Contemplation, uh, New World Incorporated, and so on. And uh, in the middle of the table, there is a very angry and very hungry Shoggoth. And in order for you to earn points and win the game, you have to sacrifice the lowly, um, worthless minions, members of your cult, to the Shoggoth. Um, and if it's your turn and you can't do that for whatever reason, the Shoggoth eats you and you're out of the game. Um, there's a lot of kind of screw your neighbor mechanics while you're trying to sacrifice. The other players are casting spells to try to disrupt the sacrifice. There are artifacts abound. There's uh, there are a lot of references uh, for people who are familiar with HP Lovecraft um, or the Call of Cthulhu the role playing game. But um, I found that those bits of knowledge aren't necessary to enjoy the game. So you can. Uh, <laughs> I've, I played it with my wife's mother, who has never even heard of Lovecraft before, and she was beating the crap out of us after just one session. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> that and is a wonderful endorsement. While doing it. What's that? That's a wonderful endorsement. I love that. <laughs> uh, so where we're at right now is that uh, about uh, two weeks ago or so, I 
finally got the shipment in from uh, the uh, manufacturer in China, and um, I've been <clears throat> shipping copies out to the backers. Um, once I do that, um, I'll have the remainder uh, uh, of the game um, available for general sale to the public, um, and I have a couple of um, expansions in mind that I'll be developing and probably you know, funding with another Kickstarter. But first... <laughs> First, I need to ship all of these copies out. Yeah. Awesome. So you'll have uh, just any overprint from this printing that you did for the uh, for the Kickstarter. That's what will be available for sale. Is there is there any uh, thoughts or hopes for maybe a second printing that would be dedicated just for uh, general sale? And, and what about any distributions or is this all going to be through your website? Well, uh, after I'm done with uh, taking care of all the backers, I'm going to have about 1,200 copies left over. Oh, so that's yeah. great. <laughs> That'll last me a good while. As far as distribution goes, um, I'm not really sure about that. Um, mostly what I'm going to be looking at is dealing with uh, um, the game stores directly and see how that goes. Um, the the thing about distribution is that they will take a hefty slice of the profit. Sure. Uh, and I would like to earn a little bit of money on this. And I yeah. have some artists that I need to pay still. Um, uh, I'm, I'm still, even with all the money that I raised, I'm still now kind of paying for some of this out of my own pocket. So um, I'd like to try to keep the profits to a maximum. Not that I'm a money grubbing jerk or anything, but you know, no, that's entirely reasonable, actually. You, you'll yeah. want to do better than break even, and you're not even to that point yet. So, yeah, that's totally understandable. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I'm glad to hear that it did so well, and I didn't realize that you would had so many copies of the game actually ordered from the manufacturers. That's terrific to have that many extras to, to find a, an avenue to sell them. Yeah, and uh, it, it took me... Uh, Good long while to find this manufacturer, but it's definitely the best uh, price point for the amount of copies that I got. Be sure to put a, if I can suggest, be sure to put a thread in our forums uh, that links directly to your site to where fans uh, who might be on our forums can uh, click on it and, and click through to your site to buy it, buy a copy. That is an excellent idea, and I'm going to write myself a note to do that right now. Yep. And uh, we can put links in the show notes and everything, too. Yep. Because I know I missed the opportunity for the Kickstarter, uh, so I'm going to have to buy my copy uh, after you're done fulfilling all of your uh, backers. Okay. Uh, do you have a date? Any idea when, when you might be able to open it up for general sale? Are you going to uh, make the Christmas shopping holiday, or is it going to take till the end of the year to fulfill all of the backers? I'm hoping that I can get stuff up and running uh, before the end of the year. Uh, the tricky part for me is going to be the international backers. Sure. Still trying to work out the fulfillment for that um, without costing myself or, or, yeah, costing myself any more money uh, and being able to do it in a timely manner and guarantee that it will actually make it out to them. Having said all that, I would like to be able to set up everything by the end of the year. Um, or early next year, probably. Yeah. If, if not in December, I would say January is, a, is the hope. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm a full supporter of take care of the people that, that were there to take care of you in the beginning and take care of your, your backers, you know, before you open up for general sales. So yeah. I am happy to wait for my, you know, for my own. Yeah. I, I still remember when, uh, we were at Necronomicon and, um, um, Murph, you'll have to remind me who it was exactly, but there was one of the Randall. <clears throat> was it Randall? Yeah, he wanted to buy that one copy yeah. for me right then. There, <laughs> yeah. like oh, I can't. It's a proof <laughs> copy, the the one and only in existence at that point. Yeah, poor yeah. Randall. You know, he's he's in Costa Rica. And he's like, I can't get this. Give it to me now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love Randall. I would have I would have about two hundred backers pounding down my door and setting fire to me if i did that yeah <laughs> i wouldn't because i would still want my my uh my custom shoggoth and my storage box to go with it and then you'd burn me up yep then i'd burn you <laughs> no i couldn't burn you adrian would kill me so there's, <laughs> there's no burning of the of the uh of the badger 
at uh, all. It, would, it, I was huh? going to say, do you know what the? I, I'm so fixated on on what the uh, the sales for for after you <laughs> fulfill the the uh, backers. But do you know what it will retail for? You know what? How much uh, should I start saving up for? It's going to be twenty bucks. Oh, um, oh my God, that's amazing! Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, and it'd be if I have to ship it out to you direct, and it'd be like five bucks shipping. Oh my god! Yeah, twenty five bucks done, sold. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous, man. Okay, so this past um, October was again the HPL Film Fest up in Portland, Oregon, right? Yeah, and you had the option to go, and you took that option, much like the Badger in a Warren's Den uh, that you are. Yes. Uh, I saw the Kickstarter for um, uh, the Film Fest and uh, I'd been wanting to go for a few years and it just felt like this was the right time. So uh, I put in for a couple of VIP passes and and made the trek and it was really worth it. How would it compare to Necronomicon? Because a lot of us went to Necronomicon this past year. Uh, how was it as far as... It's just similar, in, in different. Yeah, I mean, is it? I mean, I realize one's a film festival with gaming and one's a Lovecraft festival with gaming. So it's kind of, they're kind of apples and oranges, but they're so similar at, at times that, you know, you could compare the two if you wanted, I guess. So let's, you know, to give well, me some sort of reference between the two. Well, as a, so they have uh, another convention called the Cthulhu Con, which I think happens in April, and that's more broad of a focus than the film fest, um, in October, mm-hmm. th- this was, uh, it had a very narrow focus. Like it, 90% of it, I would say was, uh, focused on films. And of that, I would say 90% of those films are all independent. Um, there was a smattering of gaming, but, uh, I never saw any, but, uh, there were some lectures, there were some readings. Um, but, the, the the primary focus by far was about um, films, shorts and feature lengths. Okay. Um, so if if you're going into the film fest thinking that it's going to be another uh, Necronomicon with a lot of different features and facets to it, I think you're going to be a bit disappointed. But if you are going with the mindset that I'm going to be able to watch just a, a crap load of really awesome movies, then you're going to be very, very happy. They had uh, a number of vendors there. HPLHS, of course, was there. Psycho Graphics was there. <sighs> I'm trying to remember off the top of my head uh, who else. Um, I can't remember the name of the company, but uh, they do a lot of custom jewelry and uh, they make a Miskatonic University class ring, mm. which is uh, the same exact ring that Gilmo del Toro has. Oh, yeah, I've seen that ring. That's an awesome ring. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen that episode where he was on Craig Ferguson's yeah. Uh, show. Yeah. So it's that ring. They made that for him. Oh, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, it, it's it, it is a film fest. It lives up to its name. Sweet. So is it split between multiple theaters in Portland or is it is there like one multiplex that they just overtake or how does that work? Um, it's at what's called the Hollywood theater um which is uh I, I think it was built in the 1910s or 1920s i'm not sure of the uh of the history of it but it has one main theater uh on the ground floor and then you go upstairs and there are two side theaters so they have all of the screenings there and then across the street they had uh they, they rented out another kind of like uh just building that they had uh some more vendors and uh some readings and q a's with um, but you didn't have to travel very far at all. I mean, you could have just stayed in the theater the entire time. Although they, they did block out about an hour and a half uh, for a for people to go have dinner and then so that they can actually clean the theater itself. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's always pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So, what was some of your highlights that that happened to you while you were there? Oh man, you know there were so many. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll try not to bore the audience too much. Um, like I said, we had gotten uh, the VIP passes, so uh, we got invited to uh, the VIP party, which started on Thursday. Now, um, I hate to fly, so I insisted that we drove. And uh, uh, Adrian and I live in the Bay Area, so we figured that it would take about nine, maybe ten hours. Um, the VIP starting 
party started at eight and ended at eleven, and we got there at ten forty-five. Oh, <laughs> oh, damn, man! So just long enough to see people leaving and having their last drink. But uh, I, but we did end up hanging out with uh, Andrew Migliori and Charles Strauss and his uh, significant other for about another hour after the. <clears throat> they actually had it in a speakeasy, so you had to go to the bartender and say, "Have you seen the yellow sign?" And he gives you a card and says. Go uh, to the bathroom uh, through the bathroom door and then check out the uh, bookcase in the back. And you have to do this special thing where you open up the bookcase and the bookcase opens up like this huge door. And inside that is a speakeasy. Nice. Dude, wait. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's rewind this. You hung out with Charles Strauss and Andrew Migliori. Yeah. Nice. That is a terrific weekend. Go, does he does he regularly show up there? Because I'm going to have to figure out a way to get to fucking Portland now. Who, Charles Strauss? Yeah. Uh, he was the guest of honor. Um, oh. It was him and uh, Jeffrey Combs. Dude, I am a freak for Strauss. So, mm-hmm. I, Jesus, oh, Good man. stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was really cool. Um, so, let's see. What else? Uh, Friday, um, they had the... 10th anniversary screening of uh, HBLHS's Call of Cthulhu, which um, it was kind of disturbing to think that I had bought that movie when it first came out. It's already been 10 years. Yeah. yeah. It's been it's 10 a, years? Yeah. Such a good movie. Yeah. That's oh God, so I can't believe up. that either. I know. Just zoom by. Yeah, I remember with all the the news and stuff on that whenever it first released and, and listening to Yogg Radio those guys talking about it and right. Like, wow. I can't believe it's been that long. It seems like just yesterday we got it, but man. Yep. I know. Uh, <laughs> Do the effects see. still hold up? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't then. So it's all good. <laughs> Story's crap though. Yeah. Yeah. It's so derivative. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that, that love, love dude. He was total hack. um they had uh as part of the vip thing they had these drawings where you could uh win a chance to have these what they call breakout sessions with charles strauss or i think jeffrey combs and uh, adam scott glancy and and somebody else and as it turns out i won the one with glancy so that was later that night Uh, (laughs) okay he wanted to call it scotch with scott because he loves to just bring a, a huge bottle of, of his favorite whiskey and, and pass it around, which he did end up doing. But they're, they're like, no, no, we can't advertise booze on the program. But uh, that was fun. <laughs> um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention about uh, the theater. I don't know who made this, but they managed to get somebody to create this life-size model Wilbur Whiteley. And when I say life size, I mean, he was eight foot tall and had the tentacles coming out of his stomach. And it was mind blowing. I saw saw pictures of that online uh, on Facebook, I think, from the the con. I saw that, too. It was fantastic. Huh. I wanted to take it home. Yeah, I wanted to take it home and I wasn't even there. I just saw an image (laughs) of it. But it was it was huge, too, because I saw a picture with someone standing next to it and it towered over them. Yeah, you read the story and you think, okay, eight foot tall, that's pretty big, but you it, it's hard to conceptualize that. When you see a statue of Wilbur Whaley at eight feet, you realize how bloody uh, intimidating that has to have been. And big kudos for that guard dog, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, uh, that's a dog that definitely earned an extra uh, biscuit. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Considering he'll probably die from whatever's in his blood. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Saturday... Um, I really got to to, uh, to watch uh, a lot of uh, good movies. Um, the best one was uh, one that Scott Glancy uh, talked up and down uh, the whole convention about called The Final Prayer, which uh, is known in the UK uh, as The Borderlands. Um, oh, yeah. Have you seen this? I've, I've not been seeing it. I've been trying to get it forever and I can't find a copy. Yeah. Uh, apparently it's really difficult to get a hold of. I, I don't even know how the film fest got their copy. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a found footage flick, uh, about these 
paranormal investigators who go off. It, it's in uh, Britain, and uh, they go off to this small church in this town out in the middle of nowhere to investigate a supposed claim of uh, some supernatural activity. And uh, it, I, I know from the description of what I'm giving it, it sounds like it's just hitting a lot of tropes and it's a generic uh, sounding um, movie. But I, I will tell you, it is really good. Uh, and the ending, <laughs> Lancey liked to say uh, that uh, it had him pacing around his house afterwards, just thinking about it. And I, I, I was much the same way after after seeing it. It's oh got a God. really good ending. Hmm. Um, what is it called again? It's called The Final Prayer. We're all Googling like mad. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for good radio. The other full length that uh, we got to see was a movie called Black Mountainside, which I think uh, was a Canadian production that was finished either this year or last year. And uh, that movie, the premise is that there's a, a group of scientists out in the far northern reaches of, of Canada, uh, and they have... They're, they're doing an archaeological dig and they've uncovered, I think it was like the top of a temple or the, an entrance, stone entrance to something that led deeper underground. Mm. And as they keep on uncovering more and more um, of this, whatever it is, uh, the the group of scientists starts uh, experiencing really bad things and uh, uh, mentally start going very pear-shaped. Um, there, it, it was, if you've seen the thing, you would say that this movie has been influenced by it, and the filmmakers uh, who were there in attendance did uh, did uh, say that it, it had been influenced by uh, movies like The Thing. But I wouldn't say that it's a ripoff. Um, okay, kind of more tonally. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait, what was that one called? Hang on. What was uh, that one called? It's called Black Mountain Side. I've got a link to the IMDb in the show notes. Oh, okay. Um, opinions are very divided on uh, the ending, which I am not going to spoil. But uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and and I I really liked it a lot. Cool. They had a uh, so in addition to all these uh, feature lengths, they also had blocks of shorts. I only got to see two. Uh, one of was one of which was a uh, not safe for work one. Because, you know, there's some very sexually explicit visuals going on. Well, Um, that's just Lovecraft. You couldn't, you know, swing a a dead cat without hitting something, you know, sexy in one of his stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like him with his uh, feminism, you know, he's mm -hmm. so on that boat before everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Much like uh, the other blocks of shorts, Mm -hmm. I found them to be kind of uneven. Some of them... Well, out of the not safe for work block, I think there was only one that I would recommend, and that was um, oh, I had the name um, Lead Paint, and that was the first one of, of that block. Uh, the other block that I saw, um, they were of varying quality, but uh, I, I don't regret watching any of them. You know, obviously, anybody who's going to spend all that time and probably their own money. To, to make any sort of uh, amateur film really cares about what they're doing and really loves Lovecraft. So I have to respect them for, for putting in the time and effort to, to yeah. make whatever it is they made. Yeah. It takes a whole lot of effort and energy to do something, the extent of making a film. Yeah. It's a lot of money just in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Even with I, technological it's, advancements, it's still not a cheap thing. No. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what was, what was your breakout? Like the, what was the thing that surprised you or that you enjoyed the most? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, it wasn't a film per se that really, uh, surprised me uh, pleasantly, but, um, it was something that I remember seeing happening at Necronomicon, but I missed. And it was, um, uh, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, ask Lovecraft. Oh yeah. Ah, Did that you guy. see Necronomicon? I missed it at Necronomicon also. I've seen him. I saw him at the one before that, though. Okay. I was really pleasantly surprised at how damn funny that was. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He's really, really on on the ball with that uh, impersonation he does. Lehman Kessler, I think, is his name. And he basically gets up on stage and enacts uh, Lovecraft and introduces himself and then takes questions from the audience and just riffs on those in Lovecraft's performance. Uh, persona and he is just so johnny on the spot with with uh all sorts of quips um i i i give that guy major props because what he can i i love 
riffing like that. And, and he's a master. That sounds awesome. He's really, really good. It helps that he looks very similar to Lovecraft as well, only not as tall. But yeah, he's he's, he's got really, the physicality really to, to yeah, play the character. He he's definitely has the image in his face, at least. Mm -hmm. you know, so it works really well. And he's done his research, too. Yeah. Like he can pull out some really obscure Lovecraft references. Let's see what else. Uh, seeing uh, Reanimator in um, in its original form, with uh, that being followed by Q and A with Jeffrey Combs, is pretty awesome. Uh, Jeffrey yeah. Combs is uh, a really cool guy. Uh, he stuck around for a long time to uh, take answers from the audience. Uh, he did a couple of readings. I think he did at various points. Um, during the con. So that was awesome to see. Huh? He, he seems like a really cool down to earth guy that, that would connect well with fans. I, I love all of his work. Yeah, he was, he was great short too. I was surprised. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. He's maybe an inch or two taller than Adrian. So maybe like five, four. Oh man. Wow. That blows my image altogether though. I always pictured him as, you know, taller than that. Nope. Yeah, I never thought of him as being particularly tall, but huh. oh well. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I got to see Cool Air, which is oh that that has been around for a long time. Yeah, yep. that's really good. Yeah, and those same guys uh, are making uh, a Shadow over Innsmouth movie, apparently, which they played the trailer for. Oh, and that looked production wise, it looked really good. And let's see what else. There was, they had a, a giant robot that was probably about seven foot tall. I guess it was called a Dagon robot because it had D-A-G-O-N stenciled on it. It was Peter Brown and it was patrolling the front of the theater at points. Awesome. <laughs> he should have, he should have fought Wilbur. I don't know who built it, but it, I, I took some pictures. So I, I'll try to send those to you. You can get a, a, a good yeah. look at them. And then the last thing that I saw, uh, well, I should say we saw, um, was what they call the secret screening. And they they wouldn't advertise ahead of time what that was going to entail. But uh, it was, again, Andrew. So I don't know. I should probably uh, brief the audience. Andrew Migliori was uh, one of the first guys to start uh, the uh, film fest. And then after running it for, I don't know how long, well, well, more than a decade, uh, he passed the baton to Gwen Ryan. Callahan. Yeah, Callahan. Uh, they run uh, the Psycho shirt company. And uh, so they, I think for the past two, three years, they've been running the film fest. But Migliori still has uh, ties to it. And uh, he was there all weekend and he ran the secret screening thing. And I, I, I can't remember what some of the earlier stuff was, but the, uh, the, 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 the big thing for the secret screening was this uh, version of the Dreams in the Witch House, which looked like it had, I'm pretty sure it had been made in the mid to late 80s by a bunch of high school kids. And uh, it, it was just so awful, but it, it was, it was a rocky very much a Rocky horror type of thing. I, it, it had to be a tradition because I saw some people walking around wearing t-shirts of one of the actors who just looked like this Neanderthal. They were shouting lines back at the screen and it, <laughs> it, it was, it, it was, uh, it was something else. And, and that's pretty much how it concluded, except, you know, of course there was a lot of, you know, going to bars after the official thing had concluded. <laughs> Adrian and I got to hear the severed dog head story from, Clancy. So that was uh, <laughs> Blair Reynolds is a sick, sick man. <laughs> okay. Dan, you don't sound like you I know what have no clue talking. what you're talking about. And I think I might be happier that way. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm not going to spoil the story because uh, only Scott Glancy can tell it correctly, but uh, I would say I'm sure the, the <laughs> he could tell a story. <laughs> Uh, the, the legend of the severed dog head is is uh, steeped in, in in pagan lore. I think it's uh, Unspeakable Oath issue two or three that it graces the cover. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it as far as the film fest goes. It was awesome. I had great time. 
everybody was super friendly. The theater itself was uh, staffed great. Um, I, I really look forward to going next year. Sounds cool. And the, uh, I'm assuming this is true. I, I have no idea. I haven't had the opportunity to go even to any type of film fest, but the, the, the filmmakers who are submitting each of these films, are they on hand to maybe have like a Q and a after each of the screens to include like the, the shorts as well as the, uh, the full length feature or the feature lengths? Uh, not all of them, but a surprising number of uh, the filmmakers were there. Like uh, they had most of the guys from uh, from Black Mountainside and a couple of the actors. A number of the filmmakers of the shorts were there. But of course, you're also getting uh, filmmakers from all around the world submitting stuff. So some of them you know, can't make the trek. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there was a healthy amount of, uh, of, of filmmakers there doing Q&A afterwards. Cool. Man, that sounds so cool. I, I, you know, I've been to so many different types of conventions, mostly comic book conventions or gaming conventions, you know, that kind of thing. But I've never had the opportunity to uh, to go to a convention that was really like either very literary focused or very film focused. But I think that would be a lot of fun. I'd love to try and do something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, and it felt kind of weird for me personally, just because at just about every other convention that I've been going to for the past. I don't know, four or five years. I've been actually longer than that. I'm either running a role playing game or I'm running, you know, a demo of Feed the Shoggoth or I'm doing something like that. And this is the first con at, in a very long time where I'm like, I don't have to do anything except <laughs> just sit here and watch movies. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no working involved. Huh? No working involved. Just play. No, I can eat as much popcorn as I want. <laughs> So what was the, um, just out of curiosity, I've never been to Portland, um, mm-hmm. but what was the, was there a hotels nearby? I mean, I'm sure there's hotels nearby, but I mean, did you get rates at discount kind of like they do with some other conventions and stuff? If you stay within a certain block of rooms or whatnot, or how did that all work out? Uh, yeah, they had uh, deals with a couple of hotels in the area. Um, by the time we booked ours, we missed out on uh, both of those deals, but we found uh, a hotel just down the freeway um, uh, that was not terribly expensive. And you know, since we drove up there, we had a, a, a rental car, so getting around was pretty easy. The area that the film or the uh, the movie theater is in, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's surrounded by uh, shops and restaurants. Um, so there's there's plenty to do um, in and around that area. Very cool. So you're definitely going again. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. <clears throat> um, it, it's I, I don't know how many people were there, um, but you were constantly rubbing elbows with, uh, you know, Glancy or Ken Height or, um, you know, I we ran into um, Jeffrey Combs at a sushi place. Aaron Vanek was there. Um, Andrew Lehman and Scott Branny. You know, I, I chatted with sean branny for a long time at their booth um yeah and everybody is just super nice and they're all there for this common common reason and it's i I, that's one of the things that i really stood out to me was that everybody was just so cool yeah that's awesome yeah that is cool i really like these um you know lovecraft themed conventions whether it's the necronomicon or hpll or hpl film fest they they all seem to have the same generic group of awesome people that you can just hang out with, regardless of who they are or what they do. Yeah. Yeah, now I have to figure out how to get to Portland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean it's it's <laughs> hitchhike. Yeah. It's yeah, hard to no. get that far away. So I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. If anyone would like to send me to Portland so I can go to this film festival, please. In a in a box. In a box. box. Oh, you can send me uh, Bad Grandpa style. That's fine. <laughs> bad Grandpa style? Yeah, you remember the movie the with uh, Johnny Knoxville where he tries to ship the kid UPS? Nice. I, I, I know the movie, but I didn't see it. I thought yeah. maybe this is some weird Texas thing. No. <laughs> no. No, it's not a weird Texas thing. <laughs> Just making but it, sure it, it really is a weird Texas thing. So. <laughs> oh, hush, hush, hush. 
But yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun. I think there's actually a train that runs from where I'm at, at least somewhere in the Dakota area. Actually, it heads west to, I think it's Oregon, and uh, then back again. That would actually be pretty awesome for a trip. Dude, that would be fantastic yeah. if you could take a train across the Badlands uh-huh. into Oregon. That would be wonderful. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah, I may have to look into that just to see. My wife would have absolutely zero interest in the uh, film festival, but we might, you know, maybe figure out something for us to do kind of split off. Well, Portland's an awesome town. Yeah. You know, I spend a couple of days just hanging out there all just doing touristy stuff. They have a, a really nifty. So I, I didn't know this until uh, I took the tour, but uh, Portland used to be a major port and there used to be a lot of Shanghai going on there. Mm-hmm. And they still have uh, this one bar that you can take a tour of uh, that was set up to capture individuals. And then, Oh my God. Drug them. Oh yeah. Uh, they, they show you the trap door at the bar so that when they, spotted somebody that they thought could make a good potential crew member. They had him sit there and the bartender would drug the drink. As soon as he passed out, fell into the underground chamber, which was also an opium den, which you can tour. So you can get, you can see all the bunks where the, uh, the uh, opium addicts would just lay there passed out. They had this man. I, I can't remember how small the cell is, but you, you basically, they they take you inside this tiny cell that you can only stand up in, um, in the pitch dark. They just leave you alone, uh, just to break your soul, essentially. Um, <laughs> and, and for some reason, they targeted uh, women primarily with this. And I think they the the longest uh, anybody would last is like eight hours or something. Um, yeah, it it was brutal. So they would uh, drop you through the floor, and um, the next thing you know, you are you've woken up and you're on some ship heading out to uh, the far east, and you're already like a week out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could have her tour that. <laughs> <laughs> no, officer, I don't know what happened to my wife. I sent her to this tour. She was supposed to see this. Shanghai bar. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody. Next thing you know, I had a postcard from Saigon. <laughs> yeah, that's something I would want to go to as well, though. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I've I've seen uh, some documentary shows about yeah. that particular place that you're mentioning, where they have the trapdoor still on the floor and the tunnels underneath yeah. that lead out to the port and all of that. Yep. Yep. I've seen that on. Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, underground adventures or something or a tv show i actually yeah, mentioned it on like the podcast that. in some previous episode yeah, a long time ago and uh and uh my uh one of my favorite shows blurry photos actually did an episode on the shanghai tunnels of portland yep yep so yeah they uh went into all the the various stuff and damon keeps on telling me about blurry photos and i keep on forgetting that i need to listen to that show oh it's so good it's so much fun do they just talk about weird esoteric stuff? Yeah. Each yeah, episode is yeah. basically just a topic of some sort. They, you know, cryptids or just weird things, uh, conspiracy theories. You know, there's they sometimes they they've had like uh, two ep- two episode specials for a few topics. Flood myths, hollow earth. You know, there's just all sorts of bizarre things I'd never heard of that they go into and they're both like trained as improv comics and they do characters and voices and stuff. And it's hilarious. They're awesome. Wow. I've tried listening to them on a road trip and I've had to pull over before because I couldn't see cause I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's good stuff. But, uh, all right. You got anything else? There? Yeah. Any other stuff you can think of you wanted to, uh, cover badger? Um, one other, uh, short film that I, I wanted to recommend, sure. uh, seeing is called the mill at, uh, Calder's end. Uh, that's C A L D E R apostrophe S it's very, mm-hmm. uh, well, it, it's a stop animation, 
um, movie, Ooh, but that's cool. it, it's gorgeous. Uh, the, the artistry involved is just mind blowing. It's somewhere between Sleepy Hollow and Edgar Allan Poe meets Edward Gorey in a way. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. I have to see that then. I, I wouldn't call it specifically Lovecraftian, um, but it, it, it's a good horror story. Um, and they, they use puppets and the artistry involved with the puppets is so good that when I was first watching it, I didn't realize that they were puppets. I thought that they were actual human beings. Oh my gosh. Only as you start watching it, you realize, uh, wow, that those are puppets. Holy crap. Um, that, that, that one just visually blew me away. So I would recommend that one as well. Okay. Um, unfortunately I didn't, there were like six blocks of shorts and I only got to catch two of them. Um, if, if I had one complaint, um, about the con is that there was so much stuff going on, it was impossible to see everything. Um, but you know, that's symptomatic of any convention that has a lot of, uh, good things going on is that you're never going to be able to see or play or hear everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Very just kind cool. of the part of doing a uh, a festivals. You have to pick and choose and hope you chose wisely. Yes, or else you might get some of my socks instead. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that is a true master, bringing that all the way back around. I like it. <laughs> I love me some callbacks. Yeah. yeah. I'm afraid for mine <laughs> when I get it. <laughs> and you know what Murph I'm going to let that simmer just long enough so that you've forgotten about it and then oh. your package as long as <laughs> the only good thing I have to think of is that you can't possibly wear them long enough the weeks it would take to truly offend and impregnate everything within that package because you do have to send it to me you know, I don't know it might it might show up with a hazardous waste label on it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't give him any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one for free, Badger. Huh? You can have that one for free. I that. I like that one. If you do that, it might get stopped by the U.S. mail system. I'm just saying. It <laughs> might be a bad idea. Yeah. Not likely to arrive. Yeah. Maybe if it's a box in a box, you could get away with it. Well, when you go to the post office and they say, is there anything liquid, perishable, or hazardous in this? And you go, well, it's then a, they're going to have it's, questions. It's a semi-liquid you. state. Um, how liquid is liquid? <laughs> oh, <laughs> how wet now does that, that it's, really need to be? And now that it's boxed up, it could be a gas. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to conform to some sort of sticky factor, do I? <laughs> no? Okay, good. What are your laws on fermentation? <laughs> Schrodinger's Kickstarter reward. There you go. It's just an empty box. Or a dead cat. Un- We're not sure until which. Until you open it. <laughs> or foul sock. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We want to hear from our listeners, and we have a lot of different ways you can reach out to us. Our main contact email address is feedback at mu-podcast.com. We also have a Twitter account at mu underscore podcast, and you can join our IRC channel on the feedback page of the website. We have a Providence, Rhode Island voicemail number at 401-400-MUP. That's 401-400-0687. Or you can use our SpeakPipe link located on the website. Ask a question, leave us a line, or say who you are, and I'm enrolled at the Miskatonic University podcast, and we'd love to get a hearty Go Pods for our home team, the Fighting Cephalopods. Our website is mu-podcast.com, and you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com forward slash 91. That's the number 91. Our forums are at mu-podcast.com slash campus and come join the community and be a part of the conversations. 
And thank you again to our patrons. And we want to thank our patrons again. If you also would like to become a patron, please go to mu-podcast.com forward slash patron. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Class is dismissed. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. Original content of this show is copyright of the Miskatonic University podcast under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. If you would like to become a patron, also, uh, you can become... Uh, let me try that again. because yeah, I, don't, I don't know what you did there. That's yeah, nuts. I, yeah. I don't like what it's You're welcome I'm, to rewrite I'm, it. I'm I don't care. Rewrite if I could, if I it. Could Do it. Re- if I had editing rights because of... You have yeah, editing rights. You're not even in the document anymore. I, because I, I think it's the IE. I think it's my IE is fucked up. Oh, God. You use IE still? Oh, Christ, John. What's wrong with you, dude? It's a, I don't know. I, we now I'm on my work computer. Understand the problem. So, yes. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Jesus, it's IE four guys. What's wrong? What's wrong? With it? Isn't it supported? Um. All right. I'm getting a new computer from work. So it's just sure, have AOL on it. It it does. <laughs> no, no, yeah. dude, it doesn't. It, it comes with Earth. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it came with Earthlink pre-installed. <laughs> <laughs> If he's lucky, he might be able to upgrade to Prodigy. Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go write some dude, skating did you, things. I'm gonna write did skating you, uh, things about you on my MySpace page. Did you check out that Lovecraftian Gopher site I sent to you? No, I have no idea what you're talking. Me about. neither. It was another old internet web joke, but nobody got it. No. Go ahead. Go, oh, okay. Right. Gopher okay. site. Yeah, remember the Gopher I remember it now. The web? No. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>